Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, and you've just entered the database. Now, for today's issue, I wanted to talk about the infamous and perhaps popular topic of Ayanhara, otherwise known as the evil eye. Now, what exactly is the evil eye? We'll have to get to it. Why do I want to talk about Ayanhara this week? Well, little might you know, or maybe you do know, um, Ayanhara is actually a prominent feature in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayachi, and it comes up in a couple of places when um, Yaakov Avinu is blessing his children, particularly, though, when he blesses Yosef, but also earlier in the Parsha when he blesses Yosef's children, Ephraim and Menashe. We find that in a couple of places, um, Rashi actually cites some of it, but it's really a Gemara in Baruchos on Dafchaf, where in, again, various places in Yaakov's blessings to Yosef and Yosef's family, Yaakov um, essentially grants Yosef this blessing and acknowledgement that Yosef and his family had overcome the Ayan Hara, that they are above the Ayan Hara. So where do we find this? Well, for example, Yaakov Avinu blesses Ephraim and Menashe with a famous bracha of Hamalach HaGoel, so he says, right? And finally, the last part, So, um, I've always heard people say, but that's because they don't know how to say it. The word is, um, and the Dalad comes before the Gimel, and that is because the word is a strange word. It's a verb, but from the word dug, which means fish. So, and it's uh, so it's commonly translated as to proliferate like fish. So, but it really it means to be fish-like. So, what? How, why does he want them to be fish-like? So, the Gemara in Brachos says fish-like because fish are are covered by the water, so they are hidden from the eye of the of all the other creatures of the world. They are since they're covered up. They are not affected by Ayin Hara. Apparently, Ayin Hara is something that only affects something that's in public eye, something in public view. And so he wants them to be like fish, that they are covered, secluded, sequestered, and not affected by the eye that's watching them. So that's with Ephraim and Menashe. Now, when it comes to Yosef, one of the things that Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef Avinu, when he, uh, sorry, Yosef Atzadik, when Yaakov is blessing Yosef Atzadik, he actually describes in his strange prophetic poetic term, he says that Yosef is alei ayin, which um, is hard to translate, but the Gemara and Brachos, same daf, right there, um, it says that um, that, um, uh, that it should be read that Yosef is ole ayin, that he is above, he is above the eye, of which eye? He's above the evil eye. That Yosef has dominated and overcome the Ayin Hara, and it's for this reason that in the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan says that he's not worried about things that might affect other people in terms of Ayin Hara. Yet Rabbi Yochanan says, I'm a descendant of Yosef, and therefore I am above the Ayin Hara. So the question is, what exactly is this concept of Ayin Hara? We've all heard the term thrown around. We've seen different gadgets and different, I don't know what to call them, uh, maybe charms that people think are supposed to block from Ayin Hara. And... The question is, is there any legitimacy to this concept of Ayin Hara? What is Ayin Hara? Do we believe in it? Is it superstition? Um, are we allowed to believe in superstition? Aren't there Isurim that kind of 
um, you know, that kind of apply here, that you're not supposed to believe in certain kinds of superstition, and is Ayanhara different? So, without getting into the specific sugyos of, of, you know, of, of nichush or divination or, or, or um, other similar averos, like believing in, in special charms or believing in, in special times and omens, so without getting, again, into those sugyos, just to talk a little bit about things that are similar to Ayanhara, maybe in the positive, there's a concept of sigulos, right? And we, we, we know that certain mitzvos or certain actions, certain nihugim, certain things that you might do, these are sigulos for something to happen, something good to happen. And the question is, is there a cause-effect relationship between Segulos and good things, and perhaps with Ayanhara and bad things? So one thing to point out is that there, it seems that there are things that are more dominant, obviously, than Segula and Ayanhara, and that is a person's actual merit, person's actual um, real-life decisions, the real-life cause and effect, and also, of course, the spiritual cause and effect. When you actually do a mitzvah versus doing an Avera, there is nothing um, better than personal hishtadlis and personal merit in terms of what uh, what kind of things should happen to us, what things deserve to happen to us, or what things do we deserve that should happen to us. Those things are obviously more dominant than any of the other concepts that are floating around. But also, it's important to recognize that in our Masora, we do find concept of Segulos, and it seems that there is some sign, some kind of concept of Ayanhara, that there are that there are things out there that um, our Masora believes that had that they have spiritual implications implications in Shemayim that might have some causal relationship with things that happen down in this world. Now, all of that said, a lot of that is hard for us to read, and the question is, how much should this affect us in our own actions? So, there are places where we find Einhara, again, throughout the Torah, throughout Chazal, um, and it's mainly Chazal's understanding of certain stories in the Torah. But what exactly is Einhara? What is this evil eye? Who does it affect? Who does it target? What's the whole point of Einhara? We said some concept of Ayanhara having to do with that which is exposed to the public eye. So what exactly does that mean? So in terms of this Ayanhara concept in general, so apparently the basic idea is that things that are in the public eye are apparently subject to this concept of Ayanhara, or at least so it seems. There's this concept, again, of Ayanhara that means that something that is exposed to the public eye it can be viewed, I guess, when it's seen by other people, depending on other people's reactions to it, something can happen to that thing that is viewed in the public eye. So suppose someone has a lot of money, and someone and a person decides that they're going to um, spend their money on things that are very gaudy and ostentatious. So perhaps that, kind of, that, that, that person who shows off his wealth, and so his wealth is in the public eye, so that might be a scenario for Ayanhara. And the Maharal explains that there's this concept, if you look in the art scroll in the Gemara, in Brachos and Daf Chaf, so the Maharal is quoted there and is explaining that there's this spiritual concept of Ayanhara, which means that things that are in public eye are at risk, natural, naturally at risk, super spiritual, naturally at risk, that there's a spiritual force called Ayanhara, 
and it's attacking all the things that are in the public eye. Now, that's very hard for us to understand and relate to, and perhaps uh, an explanation that we can relate to better, um, the Gemara, uh, the art school Gemara also quotes the Mikhtav Eliyahu. The Mikhtav Eliyahu explains, again, perhaps more down to earth, explains that whenever we have something in public eye, so what we do is we cause a certain level of divine scrutiny to be upon our objects. This is specifically in a scenario, for example, where someone might be jealous of the things that we have. So, you know, then this is something you got to be careful of. And here's where it might relate to us, you know, depending on what you post on social media or what you tell other people, how you talk to people about things. Um, you know, you can do things in a modest way, you know, like fish covered from the eye. You could do things in a way that you're trying to show the world. And you have to be concerned, perhaps, maybe you're showing off something that might make someone feel bad, whether it's clothes, whether it's wealth, whether it's, um, whether, you know, whether it's your spouse or your kids, whatever it might be. These are things that you might have to be concerned about. Now, says the Mechtav Eliyahu, what happens is when someone is jealous of the things that you have, and then someone sees the things that you have, and someone has a negative feeling because of the things that you have, so obviously, if you're, and if you're doing everything right, and you're a good person, so you shouldn't have to suffer just because someone else saw something that you have, right? That's their problem, right? Except if someone has these feelings about you, I don't know if they're going to daven that something should happen. I assume that this shouldn't happen and no, one, and no one should do such a thing. But if someone has negative feelings because of you, so then the divine justice looks at you, right? And when we say divine justice, we mean Hashem, as a judge, looks at the thing that you have, and um, it causes a closer reckoning, right? Just like we say, like on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, even though Hashem judges all the time, but on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there's a closer reckoning. So perhaps in the case of Ayin Hara, it seems that there is a closer reckoning of your things, of your assets and of your life, all the good things that you have, when those things are showed off. And so what Hashem does is He judges you based on the things that you have, based on your personal merit, and He decides, do you still deserve to have that thing? All of a sudden, your your ownership over that thing that, that's being um, exposed to the public eye, that's being exhibited to the world, that's being broadcasted to the world, so it's being broadcast, probably is the grammatical way to say it, it's being broadcast to the world, so that thing now comes into question, it goes into trial, and... Then, and so that seems to be a possible effect of, of Ayin Hara. And this can help us understand, you know, stories in the Torah where we find this concept of Ayin Hara. Yosef was the favorite son. And because he was the favorite son, he might have been subject to the jealousy of the brothers, which might have affected Yaakov's relationship with Yosef. All the exposure, the Ksonis Pasim, which is the main thing that the Gemara in Shabbos and Daf Yud faults Yaakov Avinu for. That was something that was in the public eye. And we even find that Yosef, when he was in the public view of Eshes Potiphar, so when he's curling his hair, so um, because he did that and he was exposed, so that caused her to come after him. Now, Yosef, we see, overcame these things. Yosef, even though you know he had one time been a contributor of the brother's jealousy, but Yosef overcame that, especially when he perhaps um, decided to be um, to to be benevolent to his brothers by feeding them during the famine and seemingly by doing his part to forgive them, um, and by um, by overcoming Aishas Potiphar. 
So we see that Yosef, he, he passed the test of Ayanhara. And we see that his sons, Ephraim and Menashe, they, you know, we know from Parshas Vayechi that they did not have jealousy of one another. Um, Ephraim, on the one hand, was not boastful that Yaakov chose him over Menashe to be the, to get the higher, the, the stronger blessing, even though Menashe was the Bechor. And we find that Menashe wasn't jealous of Ephraim. So we see a family that's overcoming jealousy. They're overcoming all these negative midos. Um, there's the arrogance on the one hand, and there's the jealousy on the other hand. Overcoming all of those midos, we find Yosef and his family. So, and, you know, this also goes back to another concept, uh, you know, another place where we find Ayanhara. For example, the story of, of Sarah and Hagar. At the time, her name was Sarai, but we know that Hagar had, well, got pregnant from Avraham, and Sarai had not, had, at, at that point, had not become pregnant from Avraham. And so we know that Hagar started to be boastful. And we know, and um, according to Chazal, that was only the first of two pregnancies that Hagar had at the time, because what happened, the, the, um, the Midrash says that Sarai cast an evil eye, an eye in Hara, upon Hagar, and she miscarried. And so the next child would be Ishmael. But what's the point? The point is that it seems that because of this attitude, perhaps I don't know if we would call it a typical jealousy or whatever it is, but Sarah Imenu had this look at Hagar, Hagar, who was arrogant and boastful and apparently undeserving, she miscarried at the time. So we again we see this concept of of Ayin Hara um, in play, or at least so it seems. That's how the midrash seems to portray it. Another question is for us. So how how relevant is Ayin Hara for us? Does it exist today? Do we believe in it? Are there things that you shouldn't do? You know, for example, um, going into um, a wheelchair is one classic example I've seen that maybe it's inappropriate for a person to go into a wheelchair because again, if they don't need it, um, because maybe that's making an eye in her. You're saying, "Look how healthy I am, and I'm pretending that I'm not healthy." So that might be that might be something that's boastful, perhaps. Um, and and maybe we're 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 calling into question the the good thing that the the, the bounty that Hashem has given us, the the gift that Hashem has given us. Maybe we don't really deserve it. And perhaps that's something we should think about. Maybe, again, going back to what we post on social media or, or going back to uh, how we interact with other people. What things do we talk about? Sometimes we, do, we naturally do these humble brags, and as humble as the brags might be, since it is a brag after all, we might be causing a certain kind of negative attention to ourselves, which might call into question this concept of Ayin Hara, which, um, again, Hashem will scrutinize the thing that we have, and will scrutinize not just the thing that we have, but its connection to us and our merits. Do we deserve such a thing? And we don't, we don't ever want Hashem to scrutinize us, because, again, who says that we're deserving? So my question is, does it apply to us? So it could be it does. However, I'll just mention, and this is a really, this is a, a monkey wrench into the entire conversation. Once was um, talking to one of my Rebbeim, my Shiva from Reisha, Rav Ari Marcus, who um, I, um, I was asking about this concept of Ayin Hara, and he quoted Rav Shlomo Fisher Shlita, who says that Ayin Hara only affects those who believe in it, which means it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, which seems very strange. Ayin Hara affects only those who believe in it. In other words, there's no reason to believe in it, 
Because if you do, you're just going to be affected by it. And if you don't believe in it, then you'll be fine. So that's it's just interesting. So I, I, I pressed, I, I pressed my, my Rebbe on that. I said, well, what about how Sarah cast a Nayan Hara on Hagar and, and then Hagar miscarried? So he said, yeah, well, that's because Hagar believed in it. That was his response. He's like, yeah, come on, you know, the, those ancient Egyptian you know, women, of course, you know, with, with their heebie-jeebies. He said, of course, Hagar believed in Einhara, and that's why she was affected by Einhara. So I, I honestly don't know what to say about the different kinds of charms and the red strings and things like that. Um, that's definitely not my area of expertise. I just have some of the sources, um, that, that I, the ones that I shared with you already. Um, and... What I would say then is, should we be afraid of the Ayanhara? So it sounds like according to Shlomo Fisher, you probably shouldn't. It probably benefits you not to be afraid of it, because if you are, then you're just going to be affected by it. But then the question is, okay, well then how do we act in terms of the different things that we spoke about? Does that mean everything I just said before about how you act with Hashem's bounty, the good things that Hashem has given you? Does that mean that that's all in the garbage now that yeah like forget everything i said you know once we once we quote, quote this um this sentiment from shlomo fisher so everything goes in the garbage so just you know you can just forget everything i said about einhara we don't believe in it so i think the the answer is that whether or not there is the same level of of supernatural um i don't know if you call it cabalistic or secret effect of einhara that actually takes place whether 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 or not um, the the effects are like the way the Maharal says that there's a spiritual force out there called Ayanhara, or it's an earthly kind of thing, um, um, like like the Mechtavelio explains that Hashem just judges you when you expose your things. So it could be that even so, you know, whether um, to whatever level that Ayanhara does or does not exist today, certainly it's it should it would benefit all of us to do our best to not be jealous of other people, and of course not to be boastful um, around other people, or even to ourselves. These are just midos that we should anyway want to overcome, right? To be like Yosef, who is Ole Ayin, that he's over, he, you know, he overcame Ayin Hara, not just the superstitious concept of Ayin Hara, but the causes of whatever Ayin Hara exists, whether it's being boastful or, or being jealous all those things in Yosef's family that was that was eradicated, and those are things that we should want to eradicate. You know, like more more than whether or not certain Nihugim will affect a supernatural, superstitious kind of effect. So that should be less of our concern. What our main concern should definitely be is our refining of our midos and trying to um, earn merits and trying to be genuinely humble and sincerely happy with the things that Hashem has given us in a way that's not boastful, and of course, again, not being jealous of other people. We certainly wouldn't want other people to suffer because of us. So um, these are just some ideas. Hopefully you've gained something from it. And I think that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and of course, more, most importantly, over any superstitions, keep the Torah. Thanks for joining us here at the database.